Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Who cares about aliens? We've got golf to discuss. Yeah. A lot of golf to discuss today. Also, maybe a little NBA finals. We've been doing a lot of NBA lately, but golf has stolen the show today with a bombshell. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio, also presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. So today we got the announcement that the PGA Tour the DP World Tour, and the Live Golf League are merging after an unbelievably tumultuous year, after I can't imagine how many millions of dollars spent on legal fees, Joe, on all sides of the equation, after a whole bunch of things said publicly, after the golfers themselves had to choose sides and plant their flags, and frankly, they were the ones dealing with the brunt of the backlash from the media and the media's questions. After all of that, just about a year later, they're all gonna hold hands sing kumbaya and come together as one big happy very well-funded family this is an awesome story i don't know yet where i rank it in the hierarchy of 2023 stories i love this story i love this story so much for it's just utter blatant arrogance that it's all about money like every now and again someone tries to cover it up Like if a highly paid basketball player signs with the Rockets, he'll sit down in his press conference and try to tell you they're really headed in the right direction. This is a franchise he can get behind. Watch out. We all know it was for the money, but at least he gives you a speech to try to make you feel a little bit better, right? We see that all the time. Someone signing with the Detroit Tigers, whatever. This is about nothing other than the cash, and they're not even trying to hide it. And it's already a high-priced you know, stick your nose up at everybody else type of sport. And there are so many layers to peel back from this. The, the, the scuzziness of the PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan. Like, imagine standing next to that guy without getting a tetanus shot, right? Like, that in itself, the sleaziness that that guy brings to the table. And then on top of it, using the Rory McIlroy's of the world mm-hmm. as a bulletproof shield to stand out there and defend what you're doing while condemning what Liv is up to only for those guys to turn down a boatload of cash and then get thrown under the bus because they actually stood up and believed in something. Job well done, Jay Monahan. I am thoroughly, thoroughly impressed by how you completely sold out everybody around you. You said it's all about the cash and they're not even trying cool. to hide it. They were trying no. to hide it on the PGA side for a very long time. They were even evoking 9-11 when they were trying to hide it. They were saying 
that if you're not with us, you know, that you're with that Saudi, essentially blood money over there, all that controversy that was swirling what Liv was doing because of the fund that, of course, was backing Liv Golf. And now for them just to merge, eh, forget about all that. Forget about right. all of that moral stance that we said that our golfers should take. And oh, don't worry of the hundreds of millions, if not billions in the case of Tiger reportedly, of dollars that you turned down by not going to live. Now you're going to end up essentially right where you would have been anyways. Now the PGA in this merger, there's very few details by the way, but the PGA in this merger, it appears is going to have the majority of the control. They're going to be the majority of the board. They're probably going to, it's probably going to feel, and again, we have very few details. I'm guessing it's going to feel like the PGA tour and like the PGA tour is in control with live money and Saudi money then funding the whole thing. But it feels nonetheless like a bunch of golfers just turned down generational wealth to actually stand for something and were duped by their own organization. But it also feels like this to me, Joe. It feels like the PGA Tour was concerned about the lawsuits, was concerned about the antitrust lawsuits, was concerned about the lawsuits in terms of the discovery, didn't want to have to get involved in all that. Going down that rabbit hole, there could be a whole myriad of reasons why they were concerned about that. I think there had been some recent setbacks, from what I understand, in those court cases involving the two parties. If things were going according to plan from the PGA perspective, I don't think we end up here after only apparently two months of negotiations. But this is where we're at. So I do think that there was more to the story of why PGA, essentially it looks like, even though they're going to be the ones... Maybe with the with the control and the face of this thing, it looks like they folded. It looks like they're the loser here. Yeah, debits and credits, right? A lot of credits, to your point, that you're going to be losing a lot of money in terms of lawsuits and everything else. And then the debits in terms of what the Saudis are going to bring to the table for how rich guys like Monaghan and others can get in a deal like this. Monaghan is the sleaze bag that actually invoked 9-11 last year mm-hmm. as part of his like anti-live tour Saudi-backed golf outing. Like he invoked 9-11 and then turned around in like a year and partnered up with those guys. Can, can like imagine that? Can you play this quote of him at the presser? Because there's such a great line in it. If you guys can fire this, Jay yeah. Monahan. PGA Tour commissioner speaking today about what's going on with the PGA Tour and live. I recognize everything that, you know, that I've, that I've said in the past and in my prior positions, I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite. And anytime I've said anything, I said it with the information I had at that moment. And I said, I said it based on someone that's trying to compete for the PGA Tour and our players. Um, and so I accept those criticisms, but circumstances do change. And I think that, you know, in looking at the big picture and looking, looking at, looking at it this way, that's, that's what, that's what got us to this point. You're a lawyer. The information I had at that moment, is that not ultimate legal speak when you're trying to work your way out of something? Look, 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 don't hold me to what I said last year. 
I was only working with the knowledge I had at that time. What was that? What was that knowledge that the right. Saudis had a lot of money? Is that was that that knowledge? You just weren't getting any of that money at right. that maybe time. The, maybe the knowledge was that the money wasn't in my bank account at that time. Right. And then I spent the last two months in a room with the Saudis <laughs> negotiating this thing, and all of a sudden, there's a lot more dollars in my bank account. I'm making accusations that are ju- that are facetious. However, it does look bad. I'm not saying that that's what happened. It looks bad, and, and that's what we're saying. And a lot of people are going to be jumping to those sorts of conclusions. Now, in fairness, I would say, again, the information that could have also changed would be more like circumstances, not information, where I do think that it had something to do with these court cases. And there may be a reality of that, where those cases look different a year later, where they recognize whatever rabbit holes they're about to go down with discovery, where they recognize the positioning of live, where they are trying to avoid getting involved in these things because also they're being investigated from an antitrust perspective. Now, I've, I've been trying to fire up some commentary from legal experts on their reaction to this merging, because obviously all of this is happening in real time. And everybody, by the way, was shocked by this. Golf insiders across the board, golfers learning about this on Twitter. No one seemed to know that this was coming down the pipe. But in trying to evaluate the reaction in terms of the legal community and its immediacy, there is some school of thought that this doesn't actually do anything to save the PGA from the antitrust investigations from the government. And in fact, may complicate things because now you're talking about it possibly expanding on, expanding on an international scale, where now you might have the Asia tour involved, apparently. Now this extends to UK. You might have other governments, in other words, investigating PGA for similar reasons. So I don't know if all of their legal problems go away, but I do think that this might have been them trying to make some of those legal problems go away because they do have, it appears, an antitrust issue. Merging, though, and becoming one conglomerate doesn't actually help that position. Because so now Monahan, you, still, you still have the appearance of a monopoly. So if you're Monahan, just to be clear, you're overseeing the PGA Tour, which means you're overseeing the fact that you might be in violation of antitrust laws. Correct. And your move is to make as much money as possible from the Saudis on the way out the door. He couldn't have played it more brilliantly and more selfishly. I am stunned at the arrogance of that individual. Just is he, absolutely is he out the door? stunned. Is he out the door? I would imagine that would as we move forward, gonna there are going to be a lot of people that are repositioned in terms of who's in charge of what. Remember, if the antitrust thing, that's him. He's right. in charge of the PGA Tour. He's supposed to be the guy who doesn't bring an antitrust lawsuit to the table. That's what your job is as the head of this entity. You worked him into that corner, and now it's the old golden parachute out on the way out the door. Well, the actual lawsuits between Liv and the PGA are now going to be reportedly as part of this merger dropped. But that doesn't mean the investigations are going to go away in terms of the violations of antitrust law. So those things could still end up very interesting moving forward. Again, it feels like, though them trying to get those lawsuits to go away, that there's a reason for that. So we're going to continue to see how this unfolds. What is your reaction to all of this happening in the world of golf? Is this going to change the way that you feel about the PGA Tour? Are you still going to tune in in the same way? How do you feel for the golfers today? You can always join the conversation here on Joe and Amber. The phone lines are open. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joe and Amber, the podcast.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. A bombshell day in the world of golf. A lot of people not considering it a good day in the world of golf, but certainly golf will be changed forever from today. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. We are asking for your thoughts. We're asking you to join the conversation. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We will get to your phone calls on the merger of the PGA Tour and Live Golf in just moments. But first, Joe's got some advice. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Nice work last night on the ice. 0-2, minus 2.13 units. No reason to relive that disaster. Overall as a show, 134, 129, and 1, up 7.72 units. First pizza money of the night. Game three of the NBA Finals tomorrow. We're going to go under 215 total points. The pace in this series has been extremely slow. In fact, game two was the slowest paced game of all Denver's 17 playoff games. And by by Miami standards, who already plays at a slow pace, this has been a relatively slow series. So we got that working for us. Take note of the fact that Denver only shot the ball 75 times in game two, fewest of 17 playoff games. Miami shot the ball 78 times in game two, fewest of 20 playoff games. They're just not getting the opportunities, and I don't necessarily see that changing as the series shifts to Miami, where the Heat are going to have home court and be able to continue dictating pace, at least in my opinion. Miami coming off a very hot shooting night, 48% from three. Keep in mind, that's the sixth time this postseason Miami has shot 48% or better from three-point range. In the five games following those performances, they're shooting 35% from three-point range. It's not terrible, but there is a noticeable dip because it's that hard to maintain that level of shooting on a consistent basis. Pizza Money number one, Nuggets heat under 215 total points. 
the big breaking news after over a year in court that now there's going to be a merger. The DP World Tour, Live Golf, PGA Tour all coming together. Live Golf and the PGA Tour were Auburn and Alabama. They were the Yankees and the Red Sox, and now they're strange bedfellows. This merger, this marriage, it's great for the sport, the right thing to do. There are a lot of people, players and members, upset about how this went down, that they were kept in the dark about it. So a lot of people referring to today as a bad day for golf because even though it maybe ends with a fracture that everybody was complaining about, or at least the consumer was, there's probably a lot of golfers that are unhappy, particularly the golfers on the PGA Tour who took a stand, who turned down the live money. Reportedly, Tiger Woods might have turned down a billion dollars from live. Rory McIlroy has really put himself out there of the face of the moral opposition to live golf. How do you compensate those guys? How do you make up for them turning all that money down and and having this huge stance for so long and now all of a sudden they're in bed with the Saudis that they never intended to get in bed with because the PGA seemingly has folded. Triple eight, say ESPN. Greg is in California. Greg, thanks for the phone call. What do you have for us? Well, that's exactly what I was talking about. Thank you for taking the call, by the way. Uh, just what you just mentioned, how so many players were offered this money and they were, like you said, Roy McElroy, not only turned down the money, but was put face forward in front of the, the fans like, hey, stick with us. Like you mentioned earlier, the man mentioned 9-11, like all these things. And now when I've turned down hundreds of millions of dollars, now you guys are saying it's different because we're going to take it instead of you. So how do you think that's going to impact the players' um, attitudes towards the PGA? And now that they have this, like you said earlier, basically a monopoly conglomerate got bigger. And and. Also, making that problem even worse, Joe, is the fact that you had Colin Morikawa come out on Twitter and say, I love finding out morning news on Twitter. These golfers at the top of the sport, at the top of the PGA Tour, were finding out this news like the rest of us, which is not what you want from your organization that you have pledged your loyalty to and taken this moral stance to stand beside. So yes, if I'm one of those golfers, I feel like this is a huge slap in the face reportedly the PGA is going to come up with some sort of fine system for the live golfers for them to come back to PGA events. That's being somewhat reported again, very few details on how that's going to work, but I doubt it's going to be 150 million. I doubt that's going to be the fine, which is what some of these guys took to go to live. I'm not paying that fine. Why would I pay that fine? Why? I don't care. How, I don't care if it's 10 bucks. Why would I, why would I pay that fine? I would not take the PGA tour seriously at all. One element to this that a lot of people are talking about regarding the players like Rory, Tiger, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, that chose not to take the live money. You keep hearing from a lot of people today saying, don't worry, they're going to get compensated. They still have leverage. What they mean by that is, ultimately, this new merged tour is still going to want to see all the stars out there. And if those guys talk about holding out, you think the Saudis aren't going to make good on all that money? They've got infinite money. That's what this is all about the sports washing of everything that goes on in that country and how they're trying to soften their image around the globe. But there's a problem there. No one ever thinks the extra step past that. Yes, the Saudis could go ahead and compensate Rory for the money he could have had but chose to turn down. But the problem is if he takes that money, he's a hypocrite. He then is Mm -hmm. in bed with the Saudis. So if they come to him and they say, look, we know we offered you, let's just call it $100 million. You turned it down, but now we're merging. We still want you to have that $100 million. We want you to feel good about it. 
The second he takes that money, it ends up getting reported, and then everyone's right. going to be on him for selling out and taking the blood money. So those guys are jammed up either way. I don't think it's so much about the money that they turn down. It's the fact that if they accept this money moving forward, now they're going to be hypocrites. Well, and what does that do to their brand? Then guys like Rory McIlroy and especially a Tiger Woods have made, obviously, a ton of money in their careers. But turning down that kind of money, that decision, I would imagine, isn't an easy one for anybody. But then for it to all come around to this and us all end up in bed together anyways with very little explanation and apparently no warning. We're going to continue this conversation with somebody in the know in golf. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply bombshell day in the world of golf we are reacting to the news that the pga tour the dp world tour and the live golf league are all reportedly merging the tour is called the stunning development a landmark agreement on a global basis and so this extends beyond just live golf and the pga that we've heard so much about over the last year as they have been battling it out not just on television sets but also in courts let's bring in some help with the conversation here on joe and amber michael collins espn golf analyst joining us and michael thanks so much for your time let's just start here how surprised were you when you heard the news I am not alone in saying that this was an absolute bombshell that went off. I'm currently at the Corn Ferry Tour event in Greenville, South Carolina, the BMW Charity Pro-Am, uh, basically the Corn Ferry Tour's version of Pebble Beach, and was up on the driving range when a couple of the PGA Tour employees came over and said, then had, like, had a shell shot look on their face and said, have you seen the news? And within 30 minutes, that was all that everyone on the driving range was talking about. And, of course, then my phone started blowing up from players on both sides, both Liv and the PGA Tour, asking questions. And a lot of the PGA Tour pros at the time, when this news came out, first they didn't believe it was true, and then there were just questions. What does this mean? What does this mean? And there were so many of us, even in the media at the time, were like, I don't know. I have no idea what this means. And nobody knew that this was coming because both sides seem to have been at the time so dug in so deep in their own camps that nobody knew that any kind of real negotiation talks were going on behind the scenes. So it caught everyone just it caught everyone out of the blue. Any sense on how guys like Rory, Tiger, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm, how they're feeling? These are guys that turned down a significant payday to go over to live, and now it turns out that all the guys who jumped and got paid, they're coming right back. Everything's fine. It's part of the reason. I mean, it's not going to be an easy thing right away because and there is – I think the only side right now that isn't feeling some sort of trepidation or even venom would be the guys on live, right? Because 
those guys now you would think, okay, well, now we're going to be eligible for the Ryder Cup. Now we're going to be able to play President's Cup. Now we, like you said, we got the bag and now we now get to come back and play. And this is where the anger and angst comes from so many of these PGA Tour pros. Think about if you're a PGA Tour pro, we'll use John Rahm as an example. John Rahm doesn't take the $100 million bag of money. And now he's looking at it going, wait, you mean I could have taken that $100 million and now I get nothing? Think about a dude who might have been offered $10 million a year for three years. Like a guy that isn't as big a name. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. I just gave up $30 million and these dudes are getting to come back? When you told me that there's never going to be a path for these guys to get back on the PGA Tour a year ago and I went to bat for the PGA Tour and now you did a 180 on me? Like these dudes are feeling – a little bit like betrayed and there is just straight up anger out there from a lot of the players that are like uh, we're not okay with this we are not okay with the fact that like we stood behind this organization that now seems to have turned their back on us and they took the money wait a minute how come y'all get the money and now we don't get the money now the live player we had brendan Steele and and bryson dechambeau on my Sirius XM show earlier today, Brendan Steele did say one thing that was interesting. He said, listen, the reason I went over to live is because I want to play less. Now because I'm going to have this opportunity, I'm, I'm not planning on playing more. Now Bryson DeChambeau, he was ecstatic, was talking about how much this is good for the game, how great it's going to be now that the best players in the world are all going to get to play against one another more often and how they can only benefit the game. And, you know, there are a lot of people too that don't, don't follow or understand the team aspect of live and how important it is to those guys that are over there. And they really want the tour to kind of try and embrace that. And I think the tour in their announcement said they're going to, and that's going to be a big change. But the other thing is for the fans. If you were a fan of on the PGA tour camp and you like dug in with the PGA tour behind them and you were the one that was out there bad mouthing live and talking about how horrible it is and it's, we're not taking that blood money and we're not going to go out with murderers and all these bad people and blah, 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 this and that. Now, how do you look? And there's a lot of people that are not happy about that either. Because, you know, as I would always say at the time when this whole thing went down, I I try to be Switzerland. I'm like, I got friends on both sides (laughs) and you know, I just want to see the good in all of it. And I kept telling a lot of my friends, Hey, stop throwing rocks in a glass house. Cause when the glass breaks, you getting cut too. And guess what? Now the glass is shattered. It certainly has shattered. Michael Collins, ESPN Golf Analyst, joining us here on Joe and Amber. You mentioned that they might keep the team aspect you're suspecting from Live Golf. I mean, do we have any sense here what the structure of the game is going to look like? I feel like there's so little information. Do we know anything about schedule, events, how any of this is going to work? It feels. And and why? Why don't we know anything, Michael? It's so bizarre. It's because. Because it happens so fast, right? And right now, like, you'll get stuff and the commissioner is going to say something, that, hey, we have a plan in place, but we're just not ready to discuss it yet. But then you'll go to a player, and the player's like, hey, we need to kind of know how this is going to work next year. Well, we have what we think might be a plan in place, and so we're not ready to kind of come out with our whole plan yet. Well, you know what that means? That means we don't know yet. <laughs> We don't know, but we've got to say it and make it look like we know what we're talking about just to make everybody feel a little bit better and more secure. But that was the contention 
in the meeting that happened, the player meeting that happened in Canada at 4 o'clock earlier today, was the players that I spoke to said they came out of that meeting and they didn't have a whole lot of information on what this structure is going to mean going forward. How are the live players going to work their way back onto the tour? How many PGA Tour players are going to lose spots for this now? And what does this mean for the commissioner? Like you told a whole group of people like a certain thing. And now to Jay Monahan's credit, he stood up there and took the hit and said, yeah, things changed. I said one thing last year and things have changed. And now what I said doesn't hold true anymore. And I understand that you're mad about it. And they were mad to the point where when suggestions were made that there needed to be a change in leadership, standing ovations were given to the players that kept referring to that or making acknowledgement of we now need a change at the top. And if you hear from players like Rory McIlroy that they didn't know or guys that were on the player advisory council that is supposed to be in step with the PGA Tour in their decision-making, and if those guys are saying that they didn't know, that could be a big, big problem moving forward because now as as an organization – that's like, if your people don't know what you're doing at the top, why are we trusting you to be at the top? There are going to be a lot of people, I think, calling for Jay Monahan's job. With all of those hurt feelings, Michael, do you think we're headed towards a players association in golf? There is a very good chance that a player union could, be, could come out of this. It definitely could come out of this. Now, I don't know if what has now been put in motion, once that snowball starts going down the hill, you know, and it becomes this avalanche, I I don't know how you stop it. I don't know if a player union would stop it, but it would be very easy to see in the future the players getting together and forming a union to make sure something like this never happens in the future. And that is the craziness that golf has been for the last two years. I mean, it is just from where we have gone from coming out of the pandemic to live being created and starting their tour and like launching a year early to where we are now. It is it is at the speed of light compared to golf in the past, moving at the speed of less than a glacier because glaciers actually melting pretty quick now. But back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) One last question for you. We got about a minute left. I got to ask because. He played a huge role in this, and I haven't heard many people talk about him today, but what does this mean for Greg Norman? Is he just sitting back laughing over a cocktail right now? Yes and no. Um, I think both Mickelson and Greg Norman are laughing, in a sense. Mickelson more than Norman. Because here's the thing. In this new structure, Norman's out. There's no place for him in this new merger. So this is twice that he has gotten blanked over (laughs) for this once when he first tried to create it and the tour basically booted his idea before and then came up with the WGC, which was his exact idea. And then they took it from him then. And now with this live, which was his baby, guess what? Just got snatched from him again. So everything that he has created has come to fruition and blown up in a big way. And both times that it's happened now, he's gotten kicked in the pants and shown the door. 
Greg Norman tweeted out, a great day in global golf for players and fans alike. The journey continues. Mickelson also taking a victory lap with a happy emoji on Twitter as well. Michael Collins, ESPN golf analyst. Thanks, Michael. You got it. Thanks for having me on. So we are going to continue to react to this story throughout Joe and Amber. Just a shocking day. I think that's also such a large part of this is just how shocking the news was to everybody involved in the golf community. We'll continue to react to it. You can always join the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN. Joe and Amber rolls along now. Joe and Amber, the podcast. James, I see you shaking your head. I see you getting frustrated at me. I'm not the one who chose to play it. Sam chose to play it. But since it's being played, you know, let's give it its due. Still slaps, by the way. Still, sla- Do kids still say slaps? I might have just sounded super lame. Either way, <laughs> tomorrow night in Miami, it will be on. With the Denver Nuggets in town, Game 3 of the NBA Finals. You can tune in for Game 3 of the NBA Finals, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are going to get into Game 3, pivot a little bit away from golf for just a moment. But first, Joe's going to try to earn you a little bit of loose change. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Game three, NBA Finals, Nikola Jokic over 28.5 points, minus 117. It can play out one of two ways, in my opinion, like it did in game two, where he took a lot more shots because of the way Miami was playing defense, resulting in 41 points, or it can look like game one, where he facilitates more. But keep in mind in game one, while he only scored 27 points, he only took 12 shots. Playoff low. I don't see a scenario where Jokic is only taking 12 shots. And given how he's probably the greatest player on the planet, I really don't see a floor where he has a night where he only puts up 12 points or 15 points. I think a bad night for Jokic is just over 20, so we're going to be in range no matter what. Pizza money number two, Nikola Jokic over 28.5 points. They heat have won it! 111 to 108. Miami with the win. And the series is tied at one. The question goes from can the Heat extend the series to can the Heat win this championship? They can win this championship if they make it three. They are calm and they are confident. They feel really good about their chances still. They're going to have to make some threes. Are they going to shoot at 48% again? The odds are against them doing that. Bad for a bad night for Jokic might be. Him putting up 41, but only having single digits in the assist column if we take what happened there in Game 2. Joan Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. So a lot of people saying that the Heat defensively, because of that, made Jokic a scorer and not as much of a facilitator. Now, Eric Spolster hated being asked that question by Ramona Shelbourne, but certainly that's been the talk coming off of Game 2. So Kyle Lowry, the Heat guard, he was on NBA on ESPN Radio, and he was asked about trying to make Jokic more of a scorer. He's a two-time MVP. He could do what he wants. He could score, he could pass. I mean, he literally could do what he wants. So it's like we can't stop what he does. If he wants to score, he's going to score. If he wants to pass, he's going to pass. Like, like you can't make a guy like him do something. He's going to do what the game tells him to do. And if you guys watch him, and we all have been watching him, he sees what the game needs. He sees what this, his team needs. So it's like, we can't say, oh, we can make him do this. No, it's not possible. We go out there and we say, all right, we just follow our game plan, whatever our game plan is, and uh, go from there. He uh, definitely is following the same talking points as Spo, right? These guys are executing 
their marching orders quite well. I mean, maybe that's the truth, Joe, but it does feel a little bit like the Heat is so committed to cutting against this idea that you can force Jokic to do anything. I think that they don't want to be involved in the narrative that they defensively are doing anything to who most people consider the greatest player in the world right now. They had a fantastic performance in that game. There are a lot of different ways to look at it. Miami was very well coached. They were very disciplined. And they did something in game two that they didn't do in game one. They knocked down their open looks. They had a ton of open looks in game one. They couldn't hit anything. Big reason why they lost. But in game two, they got the same open looks. And they were able to knock them down. It's a big reason why they won. When it comes to Jokic, a lot of people focus on the four assists as if that's his fault. What's fascinating about that? There were still plenty of wide open looks for Denver players thanks to passes from him. They just didn't make the shots. If they make the shots, the assist totals higher. We're not even having this conversation. So we know what's going to happen in game two. Jokic is going to play big. Jimmy Butler is going to be out there putting up quality numbers. You're going to get a few guys from Miami who have really big nights that you might not expect and a few guys from Miami who have poor nights Just like on Denver's side, you're going to have some guys who step up as role players and some guys who fail to rise to the challenge. How many role players and how much they can contribute is always going to be the distinguishing factor in this series because Miami was let down in a huge way in game two by guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And in game one, it was about the litany of players on the Miami roster who couldn't hit a bucket. The stars are going to show up It depends on the role players. So role players always tend to play better at home than they do on the road in the playoffs. That's the saying. So maybe that's an advantage for Miami on Wednesday night. The stars are going to show up in the NBA Finals, but one of the things that I found so interesting about this series so far is that I wouldn't really consider Jimmy Butler having really showed up. I mean, I don't... Excuse me. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. I don't (laughs) want to take anything away from what Jimmy did in the fourth quarter in Game 2 because certainly he contributed and certainly he was one of the reasons that they were able to win that game. But it wasn't some sort of monster Jimmy game, particularly in the first three quarters. He ended up with 21 points, nine assists, and four boards in that game it hasn't seemed you've been saying it for a while it hasn't seemed like Jimmy is as aggressive as he is as usually is maybe playing through a little bit of injury maybe playing through a little bit of fatigue as well and maybe some of it is just defensively what the Nuggets are doing to him still an effective player certainly an effective player defensively again not trying to take anything away from Jimmy it's just not you know superstar crazy playoff Jimmy that we had seen in some of these earlier series Yeah, I think he's hurt, and that's what it looks like when you see him. Generally, Butler's the type of guy who's going to drive to the, lack of a better term, bucket, and then he's either going to make the bucket. (laughs) I can't even get over the fact that how corny that sounds. He's either going (laughs) to score or he's going to get to the free throw line. A big percentage of what Butler does from a scoring perspective comes from the free throw line. Look at game four against Milwaukee. 18 free throw attempts. That's not for the team. That's for Butler. In game one against the Knicks, he went to the line 11 times. In game two, 11 times. In game four, 11 times. In game five, 11 times. In game one against Boston, he was at the line 10 times. In game six against Boston, he was at the line 14 times. This entire series, five. Mm -hmm. Five free throw attempts in two games For Butler, now he's 5 for 5, good for him, but he's not getting to the line with as much frequency because he's not driving as much, because he's not driving and shooting as much. He's a little bit more of a facilitator. The assist numbers are up, but I think he's battling an injury and he's deferring more than he's taking it to the hole. An injury and then also you're playing a team with a lot more size than you. 
So that might have something to do with it as well. We remember in game one, one of the reasons that the Heat lost that game is they only had two free throws, which that's such an integral part of what the Miami Heat do. In game two, 20 free throws. They were 18 for 20. The Nuggets were 19 for 22. So things a lot more even in the free throw category than they were in game one. The Heat said they were going to fix that. Obviously, they did fix that. But to your point... It wasn't so much Jimmy necessarily fixing it. The Nuggets are a larger team. They're a team that doesn't typically make mistakes. The Heat are a team that capitalizes on any little mistakes that you make. And in game two, the Nuggets actually made some mistakes and certainly made some mistakes on switches, made some mistakes defensively, and it allowed the Heat to capitalize in a way that the Nuggets didn't in game one. So we'll see. This thing's about to get interesting in Miami. There's no altitude to have a conversation about. Maybe it'll be too much oxygen for you. Six Jokic. feet. He's six feet gonna, of altitude. No, it's not even six feet. They're lying to you. It's below. I, I think it's below sea level, honestly. It'll be too much oxygen, too much humidity. Jokic won't be able to. Joe and Amber, the podcast.